Welcome everyone, I'm Lauren Hawkins. Thanks for tuning in with us to Spirituality Adventures. We are so glad you're here and we're very excited about the content we get to share with you through our blogs and podcasts. Spirituality Adventures is made possible by your support. One way you can support us is by liking, following, subscribing, or sharing any of these podcasts or blogs that you like. Another way you can support us is by going to our website, www.spiritualityadventures.com. There you can click the support tab and you can sign up for a monthly subscription or a one-time gift. We appreciate all your support. Now here's Fred. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality and we're so glad you tuned in to this episode. And today I have Michael Brooks returning with us. I think you're our first person to do a second oh, wow. episode, okay. Michael. All right. So all that right. means you're in an elite, <laughs> right. you're in an elite category of people. You know, cool. only our best guests get <laughs> invited back. Second time around. Second right. time. And the first time, you know, we talked about recovery yeah. issues, mm -hmm. but this time I really wanted to talk about racial issues. Okay. And I'm right now I'm kind of doing a series on social justice, right. particularly from, you know, like, well, what does social justice have to do with spirituality kind mm -hmm. of an idea? Right, right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that even from a biblical perspective, both the Hebrew prophets, mm -hmm. when they talk about justice, no which doubt. is one of the key words in the whole oh, yeah. Hebrew Bible, no doubt about it. what they're talking about is social justice, yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. And then you get into um, Jesus's ministry and he, he enacted some oh, of that yeah. prophetic social justice no stuff. And so I, my personal feeling is that the, that the African-American church has caught hold of that prophetic social justice message far in a far deeper way mm -hmm. than say in the church that I grew up in sure. sort of, I grew up in sort of white evangelical church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we were just talking about getting saved as an individual right. and, you know, getting our lives squared away as an individual, which is a good, a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't go to very many churches that had active like social justice yeah. ministries and that that was actually yeah, a big, big, big part of what we were talking about. Yeah. And, it, and when you start studying, like when I was in Bible college, when I was in seminary and I start studying mm -hmm. all these things and I realize what a huge role the, the Hebrew word mishpat oh, justice was. Then no I was like, oh, dang. And so I started, mm -hmm. I remember like one of the first people that I started reading really heavily on the social justice side of things was a guy named Jim Wallace oh, yeah. mm -hmm. out in uh, Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And he runs a ministry called Sojourners. Yeah. So that was where I really started uh, getting into the the yeah. social justice world start. And that was when I was in seminary wow. and I'd already been, okay. I'd already had a bachelor's in right, religion right, right, and right. was just discovering social <laughs> yeah. justice ministries, you know, That's so interesting. That's that crazy. So, yeah, so um, let's let's just have you do a quick introduction real quick, okay. just in case people uh, are tuning in who don't know you and a little bit of our history. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for coming on okay. again. Sure. So I'm Michael Brooks. I pastor of the Oasis Church, uh, formerly known as Zion Grove Baptist Church. Uh, if you can believe it, this year would be 21 years. Man, I'm only 31, but <laughs> it's been 21 years uh, that I've been the pastor there. Uh, last year, well, actually 2019, we decided to uh, relocate and uh, change the name in 2020. Then the pandemic hit, so um, 
And then I'm also uh, formerly a substance abuse counselor, but I also work with a number of social justice agencies like More Square, Concerned Clergy Coalition, uh, other groups to keep this social justice uh, issue in front of us as a people. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And we, I remember we met, um, uh, just reminding people through the green impact zone, I think, right. um, mm -hmm. I think Anita Maltbia, Maltbia mm -hmm. told me I needed to meet you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was at, this is a funny story cause I was out at the national prayer breakfast and I was asking, Hey, is Michael Brooks here? And somebody said, right. yeah, he's here. <laughs> And so <laughs> it ended up being John Brooks. Right. And that's how. Yeah. I, and then I, so I had to come back to Kansas City and meet you. But it happens all the time. Uh -huh. so how can they get me confused with short John Brooks? <laughs> short John Brooks. Got Alvin yeah. Brooks. We right, got all right, you know. Right. But um, and then so we started partnering together yeah. in the Urban Core and did a number of things. In fact, I I love that just a month or two ago you posted yeah. a picture to your facebook yeah, and tagged yeah, me on amazing. it because yeah. we had brought uh down well we did a a joint service mm -hmm. at your church right. at the old uh, location of mm -hmm. mount zion grove baptist church right. and I, we packed that thing out yeah. Yeah, and it, it was, was standing room only super yeah. diverse yeah. crowd white black yeah probably some Hispanics in there as well, man. Yeah, and that was amazing. That was, was And that's why it came with my, on my memory. And uh, I thought, wow, that was maybe, I think maybe 15 years ago, 13, something like that. It was a while it's ago. It's been a while. But yeah, yeah we see it 1500 and there was people standing around the wall. So it, it was. That was fun. Close. I thought that, I thought that balcony might collapse yeah. up there. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> actually, that was the, that was the volunteer rally. That was mm -hmm. for for the Convoy of Hope. So right. that's why the crowd was so diverse. Everybody was going to volunteer yeah. the next day, uh, and I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the that's the next day was the day of the big rain, and the, and we served, we still serve thousands of people who who came. We had it at Swope Park. Swope Park, yeah. And it wasn't just a rain. Oh my goodness! It was a deluge. Yeah, yeah. it was a stream going through the tent. Right yeah, I mean it washed yeah. everything else it except. Was, People still stood in oh line by the thousands. Yeah, when, when I saw them walking away with grocery bags yeah. and stuff, man, I thought, man, this, it spoke to the need, I think, bigger than anything we could ever mm -hmm. have imagined, that uh, people were hurting so much that they yeah. were willing to stand in line in the rain uh, to get what we were offering. So, yeah, yeah that was a great time. That was, that was, that was good. So I wanted to – to have you back this week in particular, because this is uh, Juneteenth week. And I thought we could just use this as an opportunity to not only talk about Juneteenth and mm -hmm. what that holiday represents, but also just, man, we're, you know, we're a little over a year past George Floyd and yeah. maybe talk a little bit about where we're headed and, uh, okay. you know, ups and downs and, all the all the struggles that we yeah. still have to yeah. to go through as a, yeah. as a nation, I guess. And I think the interesting thing, even when it comes to Juneteenth, you would think that that we had, even as a people, we had a long history celebrating, but that's not the case. I mean, it was still even, I think, reignited in our community maybe maybe twenty years ago. Or so, so although it happened, uh, I remember growing up. I don't remember as a child us ever celebrating. Juneteenth, but it's been something uh, 
not that it wasn't celebrated, it just wasn't celebrated here in Kansas City. And so the SELC and some other groups who decided to put it together started it. I want to say about 20 years ago. I think it was during my tenure as I grow. So, um, but just bring bringing light to that, and and that also speaks to I think what creates, what makes this problem worse is that we don't teach history very well, and we don't teach the real history very well, and so the lack of education and the miseducation, uh, just of people in general, black, white, or indifferent. That mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that keeps driving this. That people just don't know. And so when you hear something new, what seems to be new to you and for the first time is either discredited because you just never heard it before. Right. I think that's what we're fighting also. It's just the lack of education around issues mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, MLK, Martin Luther King Day, I think is, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I was always trying to celebrate that with yeah. other churches. Uh, and that's gotten some good national attention. But, yeah, this mm-hmm. Juneteenth holiday so i didn't know about juneteenth until i was doing convoy with you and i remember one of it might have been the second one that we did we ended up partnering with the whole juneteenth because we were doing it same weekend yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. and that was then that was my first time of actually learning about what juneteenth was Mm -hmm. and so why don't you why don't you tell our our audience a little bit what is that because that's it's this coming saturday june 19th um and it is now a national holiday. Yeah. And I think even, uh, I, I was just reading recently, I think Nike and a few other pretty big companies are, are starting to really yeah. uh, feature this as a national holiday as well and get behind it. Yeah. So, so although, you know, emancipation happened, you know, um, and I forget the exact date, it was, I think it happened in January of the 1865, but the, the information really didn't get to a lot of the people uh, until later on. So June is when it actually made its way, the announcement made its way to, to Galveston, Texas, where uh, the slaves were finally told that they were free. Um, so imagine this news being out there for, you know, six months and you don't have, you have no clue. So, you know, post Facebook Live and Instagram yeah. <laughs> and Twitter, uh, getting messages from Washington D.C. to Galveston, Texas, by horse probably was pretty difficult. Um, so, so the fact that the news got there on that day, on June nineteenth, uh, is when the celebration started. So, so every year since then, the celebration of that announcement of, of the slaves actually being set free has been something that the black community's done over down through the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think other areas and other states, other cities have done a better job, especially those in the South, which it was directly impacted, um, I think did a better job of keeping it part of the history. Mm-hmm. But I think here in the Midwest and some other, even some other Northern cities, it just wasn't a thing until people started migrating from the South to the Midwest and to the North and started making it a thing that people started even celebrating. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the celebration now is here in Kansas City. They've been doing it, like I said, maybe I want to say about 20 years now. I'm sure my my dates could be off. Uh, But every year uh, they actually have a week-long celebration. It actually starts on June 12th, a week-long celebrations, and that's going on even this week. They had a big parade last week, and then the big celebration will be uh, this weekend down on 18th and Vine. 18th and Vine. All right, cool. So let's let's talk, you know, if we we think about – justice from the hebrew bible 
you know, if we think about, I think I love Amos five, you know, let justice mm -hmm. roll down like yeah. waters and yeah. righteousness, like an ever flowing stream. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of been my mm -hmm. theme verse for this, this little yeah. series on, um, on social justice and, cre and, and spirituality. And if you think about, so how does, so how does that theme of justice that the Hebrew prophets declared over and over again is, was so important. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how does, how should that affect the way followers of Jesus think about racial issues yeah. in America yeah. today? Yeah. Well, um, you know, like I said, there's a number of writings when it comes to the prophets, um, specifically as it relates to how um, the righteous nation or the right nation should treat the poor um, and how laws are created. Even even in the Old Testament, it talks about unjust laws. You know, and some Martin Luther King didn't just quote that, you know, on his own. <laughs> right. Um, and so um, the prophets have always talked about how any nation or any people of God should treat those that are marginalized, those that are poor. Um, it's amazing, again, how we just, some scriptures we just don't teach when it comes to it. Because, again, I don't hear, I don't remember a whole lot of messages around those. It took me getting to, to adulthood and actually hearing some uh, really social justice preachers that, that really made it part of their ministry. Um, um, I remember the first time I heard uh, Dr. Barber out of Carolina, he was, mm. man, profound. I was like, where this guy been my whole life? <laughs> like, this mm. is the kind of stuff I wanted to hear. Um, but I think, again, I think it's just, again, a, a lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. And and that's what the text says, that people perish for lack of knowledge. And, and sometimes the knowledge, the lack of knowledge has been intentional. And that's, that's what I think I struggle with the most when it comes to America and this social justice piece and the systems that have been created and a lot of times around, you know, racist background and racist ideology, keeping people marginalized and trying to keep people down. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to believe that in in any given situation, people are just going to do the right thing. But, but the, the reality is, even with all the facts and all the figures, mm -hmm. we find a way to still keep some people uh, disconnected or uninvited to the table to even mm -hmm. talk about what needs to be done. So creating tables where people can talk, where people can, can gain knowledge, can can understand even better what the Bible says about it. Because again, if we don't, if we can't take a moral stance, you can you can argue all the other stances. <clears throat> but when you take a moral stance and say the church should be doing more, the church needs to be doing more, um, now your argument is against God, it's not against, you know, just my mm -hmm. opinion. So that's, that's and, then, and then Jesus comes with the gospel and talks you know, even when they're arguing amongst themselves, he said, well, the poor you're going to have with you always. Yeah, so there should be a ministry to the poor. Everything he did, um, interesting, most of his ministry didn't happen inside the, the, the temple. You know, he went to the temple to worship, but most of his most of his interaction with people was with poor people, with sick people, with, you know, demon-possessed folks. It wasn't, it wasn't me with a whole bunch of spiritual potentates in the temple right. you know so so we're gonna follow his example i'm not i'm not sure we can follow his example without having some a heart for the poor and trying to help them in their situations you bet you bet yeah and so many kind of marginalized i mean you know the um i i actually just released a blog just a few days ago about uh, what is radical inclusion mm -hmm. and i kind of and i subtitled it a gospel for misfits wow. 
And Luke's gospel really features that yeah. big time. Yeah. Um, it's the only gospel that has the Good Samaritan story in it. Yeah. Who do you invite to the banquet table? Yeah. Friend of sinners. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus yeah. is constantly hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yeah. He's hanging out with the people that would get him contaminated. Exactly. So you think, how can you exactly. be? And he, he had more confidence that a grace-filled relationship mm-hmm. or grace-filled community had more power to heal. Oh, no doubt. Than, than, than a person who's a misfit had to contaminate. Yeah, yeah. And and would put himself in what society would say dangerous situations. You know, and his disciples even question him sometimes. You sure you really want to? Right. <laughs> you know, do you know who's eating at the dinner with you? you know? Yeah. And, and they're... And they're trying to put, you know, Mary Magdalene out of the out of the supper because, you know, she don't fit in yeah. that. So even his followers didn't get it a lot of times. Right. Which again, I think it's it's it it mirrors what's going on even mm-hmm. with us right now. But sometimes, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you're not a follower of Christ. It just means that some stuff you may just miss because you haven't mm-hmm. had the right instruction. And yeah. they're right there with him all day, every day, and they're still saying, uh, "No, the woman with the issue of blood never would have got to Jesus if it was left up to him." The little boy who can't says he when he says suffer the little children it was because they were trying to keep the little children away from him. Mm-hmm. you know so so i think all that mirrors what we should be doing with the gospel now mm-hmm. that, that we should be trying to reach those that society says now nah, you know what just leave them over there just just kind of leave them alone mm-hmm. and our response should be the same no those are the people that we want at the table those people that we need to be ministering to yeah you know i think i think about even the great commission Mm-hmm. Like, make disciples of who? Oh, yeah. Like everybody, yeah, right? Everybody, all, yeah, all nations. All nations. Yeah. Um, you think about Galatians two twenty eight. You know, in for, in Christ, there's not male or female, right. yeah. Jew or Jew Gentile, right. yeah. Yeah. slave or free. Yeah. You know, it it breaks it. Like there's. Yeah. So there, there is a calling on Jesus' followers right. to break down barriers that divide. Exactly, and and so again, I'm 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 questioning. This is just where I'm at. I'm I'm questioning a whole lot of the theological teaching that we've gotten. Um, in that, I'm not sure. Again, we were taught the entire perspective because I, I just don't believe you can have. Two groups of folk who say they love God and see society in such a totally different way, and that's that's a struggle even for me. This this whole George Floyd thing, the whole election from last year, all this stuff made me start questioning everything that that we've held on to as our you know Christian principles. Where if we're all following the same ones, how can we be looking at the same mm-hmm. thing and see it so differently? That's that's been bothering me for for quite yeah. a while. Yeah, there. I, I would, I would guess, you know, I, I don't know how to say this, but there's obviously been a big difference along a lot of lines between, let's say, the the black evangelical church in America mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the white evangelical no church in America. No the passages that the preachers preach from, right. <laughs> the way they see the world, no doubt about it. the way they... Uh, view life. Yeah. Um, there's a big, big difference. And until I just started intentionally hanging out with pastors, you know, from the core and you and Hispanic pastors and hearing your journey, your, 
mm-hmm. your, your perspectives. Um, man, I, you know, I had a pretty white, I'd, I'd been, I'd been in pretty white, dominantly white <laughs> right. schools, institutions, yeah, yeah, exactly. churches. And I always had friends, you know, always had friends. You know, I, I went to high school with ran track with, you know, sure. I, was, I was always friends with, with, with people that were in my class were black, but there just weren't very many of them. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and they were in white institutions, exactly. right? Many exactly. times. Yeah. And so, uh, but I think it's never been so stark is mm-hmm. like because i i've been attending a um well before the pandemic i was i was attending over at macedonia baptist right. is a mm-hmm. historically black church right. and i went through the first time ever i went through black history month mm-hmm. in a black church mm-hmm. as a white guy wow. so now i'm yeah. i'm the i'm the minority <laughs> right and i i it was so powerful yeah. i really loved yeah. it and uh but man i thought gosh i there's just so much of that experience that I was never exposed to, exactly. never exposed yeah. to. Yeah. And it's so rich. Oh yeah. Yeah. So rich. So one, you know, one of the things that stood out when I went through black history month as a white guy in a black church was how long the struggle has been. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how, how there still is so, so far to go. Yeah. yeah. But I think about how, uh, I don't even know how to say this. If I get mistreated in certain situations, I'm pretty quick to like point it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not want to put yeah. up with it. Yeah. And I think about the black church and how, um, how they have been endured mm-hmm. with 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 hope and forgiveness, yeah. like the resiliency yeah. of the African American yeah. church, fighting a fight for justice, mm-hmm. battling for for the kind of justice that we're talking about that's in the right. Bible, enduring mistreatment for generations, but still forgiving and still having hope, yeah. and yeah. still calling themselves to the higher road. I mean, that is unbelievable in my mind. And, and to be honest with you, it is, it is also, um, on the other side, uh, some of the driving forces behind a lot of young people that don't want to be a part of the black church anymore. Um, their feeling is so if you hear all the, all the negative input when it comes to the black lives matter movement is just that, that, that they're too radical. And they're saying, well, look, we've been nice long enough. That didn't mean we're going to go out and start shooting people. And, but I think that's the fear. The fear that I think some whites have is what happens if they start treating us like we treated them? I don't believe that's ever going to happen. But as long as that fear is there, it's going to keep you guarded and keep you sheltered because you don't know. Uh, but the history has proven we're not, we're not the ones that's going to pick up a bunch of guns and kill a bunch of people, you know, uh, in a lot of instances. And, you know, I think good, better, and different. I think a lot of young people are saying, well, you know, how long are we going to keep turning the other cheek? How long are we going to keep the, the gospel is and the teaching that the Bible has? I think black folks have taken it to heart that, and not that we shouldn't have. We should be forgiving. We should. I mean, we're not going to mm-hmm. get to where we need to be. 
staying angry about the past. You know, um, I can be a poster child for that one. You know, but it just it's just not going it's not going to serve yeah. you well. But I also think there needs to be space for people to to speak the truth mm-hmm. and and to be honest about what they're struggling with. And I don't think those spaces have been, you know, I don't think there have been enough spaces. Mm-hmm. And these young folks are saying, well, I'm not asking for a seat at the table mm-hmm. anymore. You know, I'm going to create my own table, you know, yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to take a seat, you know. Yeah. And so some of what they do can be brash and can be considered disrespectful. But like you said, how long, you know, how long ago do we stay nice? <laughs> how long, how long yeah. do we? And the scripture still true i mean how long should i forgive my how many times should i forgive my brother well you just keep on doing it that's what mm-hmm. that's what the teaching says mm-hmm. but we we're dealing with about three or four generations of young people that weren't raised in church now mm-hmm. and so uh their perspective and their take on things it's not going to be like mm-hmm. my mother's and father's my grandmother grandfather, or even mine um and i think that's that's part of the issue as well mm-hmm. that if everybody's coming from a different foundation you should take for granted this yeah. was a christian nation everybody kind of had christian principles well i think everybody would probably have a uh um an argument against that based on the last couple of years that we've had to endure yeah hey matt uh, <laughs> i'm going off air here but uh matt cox is my videographer guy can you look up or whitney can you look up the la- last year right after the George Floyd thing. Uh, there was a guy, a white guy, white evangelical guy, uh, the creator of Veggie Tales, mm-hmm. And I'm for blanking on his name right now. But he did a, if you can find his name and pull it up, I want to. Phil Vischer? Yeah, Phil Vischer. Mm-hmm. He's the creator of Veggie Tales. Okay. So like white evangelical parents raise their kids oh, okay. on veggie okay. tale Bible okay. stories. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. These little vegetables, you know, cucumbers and that yeah. would tell Jesus, tell right. Bible stories. Tell story. And yeah. this kids whole generation of kids grew up on veggie tales. Okay. Well, this Phil Vischer, who's the creator of veggie tales did a, about a 17 minute video mm. on white privilege yeah. and it, wow. and he put it together historically mm-hmm as well as I've ever seen it put together. Now there's a documentary on Netflix. that's really good too. It focuses on the prison system side of the thing, but he covered everything. He covered the prison system stuff. He covered the district, the housing districting stuff. He covered, Mm. covered a lot of the history Mm. of some of these deeply rooted injustices in our systems. And he's a, he's, he's like, He's like the poster kid for white right, evangelicals, right, 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 right. you know, and he just <laughs> yeah. nailed it. And this thing had That's millions and millions of views. Wow. And I even had friends of mine who were like, there's no, there's not any such wow. thing as white privilege and all this. And I said, just wow. do me a favor, take 20 minutes right. and just, just watch this video yeah. and then let's talk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they haven't spent, you know, the hundreds of hours I've spent with people right. like yourself yeah. <laughs> listening to yeah. stories and all this wow. kind of stuff. But you know, one of the things, and we've talked about this before, but I, one of the things that struck me with your story and all of my uh, black pastors could tell similar stories. Number one, I, I don't have a single friend that's a black pastor who doesn't have his own stories of mistreatment. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. By, by police officers. And, and, and again, we, you know, 
you and I both support yeah. the police force, right. and yeah, they're no. largely good. But, but we, yeah. at the same time, we realize that hey, there's you know there's still need for reform and things that are yeah. that are uh, out there. And so, but not only do all of you have those kind of stories, but you all have had to raise your children mm-hmm. in a way that protects them mm-hmm. from the potential of mistreatment. Yeah that is out there as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, and this is something every black family in America has to do is raise their kids with an extraordinary sense of the potential fear that's out there for these kind of situations. And of course, Lord George Floyd captures that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's on video in front of the world. And it just, it, it was, it was that incident, but it, it's what that incident represented historically yeah. is what was yeah. so powerful about it, right? Yeah, and I think the the image itself, and so the image that's been, you know, um, photobombed over and over again is Chauvin just uh, sitting there with his knee on his neck, and he's actually looking up at the crowd with a with almost like a scowl, like, what you going to do about it? That's, that's the history of black America. Mm-hmm that, you know, we understand these injustices. We understand this stuff's been going on. I don't think anybody, mm-hmm. but there's a few people that may have been living under a rock that I run across every now mm-hmm. and then that had no idea we had a racial problem in America. I'll say, okay, there's a few. But <laughs> for the most part, folk no, you don't have to be told that what he did was wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be told, and I don't care what George Floyd did. Whatever he did didn't deserve to cost him his life. You know, unless... Unless he had a gun and actually killed somebody, that's the only way it can be justified. And that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. At the very least, he may have passed a bad check or something, whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever it was, it just wasn't enough. And But George Floyd was just one of hundreds. And that's, you know, George Floyd was the tipping point. It wasn't just that incident. It was mm-hmm. all the incidents that continued to happen over and over again. And in most instances, the officer was getting off with no punishment whatsoever mm. that's what you heard that's what you had and i think george floyd was also was just a perfect it was a perfect storm because people have been quarantined and locked up in their houses for about two months by the time may 25th came around last year and getting out the house was just you know okay mm-hmm. if this way to get out the house go protest i'm gonna go protest now i don't know if that was everybody but a yeah. lot of the crowds, you know, although they were protesting George Floyd, it was also a protest against what was going on in America mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so it just, it was, as horrible as it was, it was, I think it was absolutely necessary for our country, mm-hmm. for people who have all these years decided or have concluded that there's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And then the crowds were so diverse. It wasn't just black people saying this is wrong. Right. It was, it was America saying you know, we got to do something about this. I, I went to several rallies yeah. in Kansas City at all different locations mm-hmm. and some some in the core in yeah. the historically yeah. black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And there were more white people at every rally that I went to yeah. by far. I mean, they outnumbered yeah. uh, uh, the, the whites outnumbered the blacks in every rally I went to yeah. Yeah. by a big margin, no doubt. actually. No doubt. And. I was like so thankful, mm-hmm. um, not for what, not for the context of it, but right. just, but just grateful to see how many people were out there uh, 
saying, "Hey, this matters. I, I yeah. this yeah. we this we can't keep living with this kind of uh, racial tension, mm-hmm. racial injustice, yeah. racial hatred." Man, we got to do better. (laughs) We got to do better. I think we got to live up to our highest ideals, right? I think the hope for this generation is just like you were saying, you know, um, I think there's so many young white people that can say, you know, I really, I have some friends. It's not like I'm not living in this bubble where I have no contact, no context whatsoever. So you got a lot of college students, you know, had a lot of. You know, a lot of neighborhoods have become a lot more diverse than they ever ever have been. A lot of schools have become a lot more diverse, and so they were saying, "No, I'm, I'm, I have friends. I have, I have people that I'm really close to, and if they need me to stand up for them, then that's what I'm going to do." Mm-hmm. That's that's where a lot of diversity came from. I mm-hmm. think there's been a whole lot more exposure to the yeah. black culture than maybe any other century we've been living in, and and so thank God for the young people that are willing to to step out there uh, and do something. And it's time, and it's high time. Uh, it's twenty twenty one, and mm-hmm. uh, I wish we were having to fight new fights, but it's the, it seems to be the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about just practically, you know, people think, "Gosh, it's just a big issue," and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are out there that aren't aren't, aren't that engaged politically. Yeah. Um, and so, if you think, well, what can we do? to make a difference even in our little yeah. little corner of the world. And I always like to boil it down to like even what just everybody, some maybe a few things that anybody can do. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about this yeah. before, but I, I just like to hit that yeah, again as sure. we're thinking about Juneteenth and mm-hmm. what, what can people do? What do you yeah. think? Well, just like what I said, I think whether you become friends or not, at least expose yourself to somebody uh, and be open to listening to their stories. Because like you said, I'm not sure you're going to find any African-American, not, and not necessarily just the police, but just injustice in general, whether it was on a job, whether it was in the grocery store, whether it was, you know, in the housing market trying to buy a house and couldn't, you know, even get shown one in certain neighborhoods. That that Those things, again, in today's society, is still going on. Um, and so take take time to just talk to somebody talk to somebody that doesn't mind sharing their stories and, and and at least just be open to a different perspective mm-hmm. uh, i think that's a good start that, yeah that you can without reading a book you can just and you can talk to 10 of us you're probably gonna get 10 different stories so you know there's not any one of us that's gonna represent the entire right you know community but all of us could probably tell you some stories about some injustices that have happened yeah yeah so I, I I still always, you know, love to challenge if you if you attend a church, mm-hmm. um, you know, get get in, get involved with churches that no, are in no. the core. Uh, yeah. These 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 high, these holidays present an opportunity mm-hmm. to partner yeah. and make new friends. No doubt about it. So I think like get involved with other churches. Uh, and create diversity around Martin Luther King events, yeah. uh, Juneteenth mm-hmm. events, mm-hmm. Um, and and let those friendships carry themselves into you know the next year and the next year, and then those present opportunities. Mm-hmm. They, they unfold no over doubt. time, no doubt. and I think it it changes your perspective. It changes your kids' perspectives. Um, Every every relationship matters. Every oh, relationship God. counts. So yeah, I think 
I think the friendship intentionally um, being intentional about the relationships that we build, mm-hmm. that we include diversity in our friendships and in mm-hmm. our relationships is, is a huge piece. Um, what are some other ways that you could think of that? Well, as you were saying, when it comes to the churches, I don't think you, you would find most African-American pastors would be, would be grateful to have a diverse congregation. You know, I, I don't necessarily want my whole congregation to be African-Americans because, again, they don't get exposed either. If you look at it, the truth of the matter is a whole lot of people that live in urban, urban gore don't interact with a whole lot of white people on a, on a regular basis. So, you know, their perspective could be skewed even when it comes to how they see, you know, you all. So it's not it's not just you giving. It's also a give and take. I think we can all learn from each other a whole lot better. Like you said, the the incident, the, the, the um, holidays and celebrations, that's always um, uh, a pretty easy interaction. Anything's going on in public. Um, and I think Kansas City is really it should be more diverse than it is because we have almost every nationality there is and people don't know it, but right here in Kansas city, we've got, we've got a wide variety of nationalities and ethnic groups that you would never, never even know until you expose yourself to that, to that reality. Yeah. Yeah. One, one way for people to think about it might be this. Um, If, if somebody out there is in a church chances are that church probably supports a missionary to some country somewhere, somewhere mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, and then more than likely. And then if you just find out which country that is, there's probably a few thousand of those people right, right here, here, right yeah. in our backyard. No doubt about it. And yeah. so so yeah. that those opportunities yeah. for missions, for culture, for food. Yep. You know, hey, for nothing else, just learn to love other people's just food. Learn. Yeah, right. <laughs> Expose yourself to something else. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> and for us, something that's not going to kill you later on in life with all the fried chicken and not that I want to, I won't go there, but a lot of fried food that we eat could be uh, adjusted if we if we experience some other cultures' food. Um, yeah. yeah, I think our, our kids are, are also, I think the 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 most promising our ground that we can use because again they're they're intentionally have to be um diverse in how they see things mm-hmm. uh, my son plays basketball so he's all over the city playing all kind of different teams and experiencing mm-hmm. different cultures and now that we're in blue springs it's a little different than than being in raytown but mm-hmm. i think it's 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 what's needed if we're not intentional about it and actually try to make things more diverse than they are there are it's easy to keep things where they are that's mm-hmm. that's the safe thing to do I don't think there's anything in nowhere in the Bible where the Bible says we should be safe. Matter of fact, most passages are going to be talking about having courage and <laughs> and stepping out on faith and doing things nobody else would mm-hmm. would do. And, and if the faith community doesn't do it, I'm not sure our society has it has a better way. Um, so I just I would just encourage people of faith to extend that faith beyond your little your little circle yeah. and, and reach out to people who may not look like you or do things the way mm-hmm. you do and see how, see why they do the things the way they do. Cause like I said, most of us have a story as to why I do what I do and why I have that attitudes that I have. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, just through the pandemic, I was jumping in on your, your messages, your, mm-hmm. your Sunday morning and your Wednesday nights. And I, I've heard, I've heard quite a few of your messages <laughs> well, now. You're a very good Bible teacher too, well, by the way. Very thanks, good. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I think, I think that's a cool thing is that um, I think one of the positives from the pandemic is that 
it it forces a lot of pastors to get online oh, and yeah. and start taking yeah. and but then that opens up the world and so yeah. people can jump online and you know hear uh, yeah. your messages yeah. and hear how yeah. you your love for Jesus and hear your yeah. you know and yeah. uh, look G- Jesus is is here to to help yeah. tear down these barriers yeah. and these walls and and uh, unite us around around that you yeah know? and i think that's been one of the blessings of even the pandemic i mean we've been able to to speak to people we never would have had a chance to if we weren't doing it virtually mm-hmm. you know there's people from california to new york that that just and someone's family but a lot of folks i never heard of you know never seen before um and so that's that may be another tool that you can use there's tons of african-american churches online all the time you can go through youtube or facebook and scroll down line if you don't like what they're talking you just click and go to the next (laughs) (laughs) a lot of times it's better than going to church because sometimes you're kind of stuck there until he gets through (laughs) but in this this world you can click to three or four different services on any any given sunday and i do myself tell you the truth i'm I'm looking i'm looking as well so one so one i don't know why this happened but uh when i was a young pastor in training I would listen to black pastors, mm-hmm. Evie Hill mm-hmm. and others. Yeah. Evie was probably one of my favorites, yeah, but, I but I had a whole message of his memorized. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, who, who were some of your favorite, because yeah, I, yeah. these, these messages, yeah. people can hear these pastors online yeah. and they really are a treasure because yeah. they, no they preach a lot different than I do. No you doubt know? About <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. He's, he's probably one of my favorites too. I, when I started preaching, I was actually living in Alaska. And um, up there, you kind of forced to to mix the culture. It's not a whole lot of black radio stations in Alaska, so so I was um, listening to you know the Christian stations up there, and that's where I fell in love with Evie Hill too. It, it was a sad occasion, but I have his the eulogy of his first wife's funeral. I have mm. it almost memorized. Um, mm. <laughs> he 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 did it, and and they did it on I want to say Chuck Swindoll's program. Uh, focus on the family and he did it as a fan you know he was it, it was all about family so hmm. uh that was one um there's there was a guy in houston that came to do a revival in in alaska almost every year um and uh, i just drew a blank on his name <laughs> but he's uh, uh johnny youngblood is another one that you know just had a different when it came to social issues and believing that mm-hmm. the church's job was to have social ministries, um, you know. Um, Caesar Clark is just one of the favorites of all most African American pastors. Uh, just his delivery and the power that he had. I think that's that's the thing about you know the black experience is you know when you're feeling weak and and powerless and hopeless. Uh, sometimes the power behind the words was what was most inspiring. Um, and then a lot of younger guys, I'll say younger now, cause they were young when I was young, but we all in our sixties now. So, so we're not as young as we, not as young as we used to be. Um, but just a lot of the, the, just being exposed to a lot of the preachers and the National Baptist Convention that you never would have heard of on a national level, um, that, that just, you know, uh, had a particular way of just presenting the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it was just interesting how the diverse of style, diversity of styles, and but the content and the impact was almost you know almost the same. But but I would say Evie Hill, John Youngblood, uh, 
some of the younger ones, uh, the Church Without Walls, Rock West, down in Houston. Um, I was exposed to a lot of preachers in Dallas when I was in Texas mm-hmm. at the time. So um, <clears throat> a lot of preachers there. E.K. Bailey, he has a preacher's conference every year where mm-hmm. he was emphasizing expository preaching and really breaking down mm-hmm. Greek and Hebrew. And that's kind of mm-hmm. where I learned that discipline, just going to to, to schools like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so just it's it's just been, you know, but those probably the some of the main ones in the last couple of years that really had a major impact on me. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. Well, I just wanted to encourage people to uh, be mindful of Juneteenth, yeah. uh, to yeah. reflect on uh, the struggle that we still have in front of us, but how also, you know, we have a hope. And, yeah, and, no and the spirituality it. component is that, you know, all of the great faith traditions have some connection to social justice. No but yeah probably none as powerful as the Hebrew yeah. prophet tradition, yeah. you know, taken right into the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. And so this is a mandate no doubt. for Jesus no followers, doubt. No doubt. racial reconciliation and uh, equality and, and all of these things it's yeah. a, it is, is a mandate yeah. for Jesus followers. Be. Yeah. It has to be. And reconciliation is really what we're supposed to be about. I can't, I can't see a better way mm-hmm. to practice it than reconciling yeah. the racists and making sure that we don't keep perpetuating the same evil that's been passed down to us down through the years. Right. And, uh, what better way to do it than celebrate the freedom and, and celebrate uh, not just Jesus getting up from the cross, but also the slaves getting set free, mm-hmm. you know, so and yeah. making a connection even. Yeah, it's the go- it, it, it is the gospel, yeah. freedom, yeah. right? set free from bondage no doubt. No that doubt. uh that is a rich rich history in the black church in yeah. america is that yeah. that theme runs yeah that freedom piece and that mm-hmm. direct connection between what the children of israel went through coming out of egypt i think that's the, yeah. the connection that that I, now that's one thing we will do on on a very consistent basis make the connection between yeah you know the children of israel were slaves in egypt right and and they cried uh that god would let let him go, and and so he sends Moses, and so that yeah. that direct connection between that freedom and our freedom from slavery has always right. been a line that's been drawn for us. And that freedom is commemorated every year in the Passover. Yeah, you know how every many year. years ago was slavery in yeah. Egypt yeah. for the Jewish people, yeah. but they still, and yet yeah. we commemorate that celebrate. every year. Mm-hmm. We were slaves. Yeah, yeah. that's what the, yeah. that's, that's what, they what say. The, yeah. we were slaves. Yeah, so. There is a continuity with those in history. Yeah. There's a and continuity it, with, we stand with those yeah. who are oppressed. We stand with those who have and, fought and for can, freedom. If we can get to the place where where it's a we thing, it's not just, it's just, I don't think it wasn't just black people that got free. You know, if you use a broader mentality, we all got free. We right. all got free from making that okay. Mm-hmm. So even the ones that released us got free from, the mentality now again it's been the systems have been put in place have been put in place to kind of keep a lot of that stuff going on without freedom being without slavery being legal anymore but the the knowledge that everyone should be free mm-hmm. everybody should have access to everything and all men are created equal those principles now can be lived out but we don't have that that slave mentality constantly over our head and so everybody was free, not just not just African-Americans, but the mentality of being free mm-hmm. was something that we can say we as a people experience, not just one group of people. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you, Michael, for joining us on uh, Spirituality Adventures again and for this podcast. And I would just encourage everybody to uh, be mindful of Juneteenth and to uh, uh, use it as an opportunity to reflect and to connect with uh, friends that are different than you and to celebrate unity and diversity. So uh, thanks for joining in. Thanks for uh, being a part of this podcast and Spirituality Adventures. And we will see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember to visit our support page at www.spiritualityadventures.com. If you like what you heard, be sure to share it and leave a comment. Thanks again. Have a great day. Harvey Media Production.